Welcome to the Nostalgic Album Podcast. I'm Stovepipe. I'm Alex. Happy Halloween, everybody. Round two, here we go. Round Who's two. Who's ready? I should have. I feel like after you said that, I have another interface uh, that broke because it was terrible, but it had like cheers on it and laughter and stuff. I should have brought that. That could get old really quickly, though. So, uh, before we begin, Alex, you're now a married man. I am. And can I tell the news, too? A couple, couple weeks now as of actually it's when you're hearing this. Well, when you're hearing this episode. Oh, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're going to be a dad. That I am. Is that public? We're, mm-hmm. Okay. We're, reason, we're reasonably excited and understandably <laughs> apprehensive. <laughs> so, this podcast... We'll continue into fatherhood, though... uh, At least we hope you listen long enough for that to happen. Right, yeah. And as I was walking in here, you said marriage is just like living with your girlfriend. It it hasn't seemed to change much for us, but Mm -hmm. we we settled in pretty quickly, so... Right, well, it was a lovely wedding. Had a good time. It was. You were a a wonderful efficient. Well, I did my best. It was good to see people again. (laughs) <laughs> it'd been a while we we and that lump big of a group it'd been jesus eight nine months we got we got a solid laugh out of the apostle axel rose oh, that was good. that was a good crack <laughs> well good well here's to alex and his marriage and i toast to him drinking well what are we drinking it's perrin's black ale from yeah. rockford michigan right this beer is counterintuitive. It pours dark as night, but drinks like a summer afternoon. You know, it doesn't drink like a summer afternoon to me. It drinks like a fall night. It drinks like nice unexpectedly two or three more, and I'll be asleep on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, uh, we need to flip a coin. Do you have one? I got, got it. it. This time, I'm actually going to be the first one. I just can feel it. <laughs> so, your heads, I'm tails. Well, it's heads. I win again. <laughs> oh, God. I told you. We're going to have to go to a dice roll if I keep winning. <laughs> the Ouija board. What, um... Should have done that. Pick? It's Halloween. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what we should have done is some sort of weird little thing. So, uh, what did you pick? We are doing Power Slave by Iron Maiden. Mm-hmm. It's going to be round two for Iron Maiden for me. We're, we crawled out of the... Paul Deano era and into the Bruce right. Dickinson era. What did you pick, Justin? I picked Alice Cooper's School's Out. Oh, I like that one. Oh, wasn't supposed oh, to say let that. Let us turn that one down. <laughs> Somebody's popular. It's not me. <laughs> what? Uh, hold on. Where is the sound? I got to get a new one. I'm getting a new iPhone. Because my phone is shit, and I hate it so much. Most of that <laughs> fucking thing. Okay. Did this album live up to the magic of your youth? Absolutely. This one, I I love this one. It's got a pile of songs I brought in for guitar lessons, and it's kind of the, if I remember right, it's actually the first Iron Maiden album I bought, so I kind of like, I worked it almost backwards a little right. bit or from the inside out. Yeah. What does this album have to do with Halloween for you? Well, it's got... I remember listening to the last track, Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner, 
in bed in the dark. When you said that, I'm sorry to cut you off, but I heard instead of I remember, I remember. <laughs> well done. <laughs> Which is a is a huge mistake to listen to that in the dark as an impressionable teen. Oh, I'm sure. Particularly when they get into that middle part where mm-hmm. all the uh, where he has to bargain for all the lives of the sailors. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing, especially as a kid, is that, and I remember this, my, my friend Lucas McCannell, who ended up being a real prick, uh, but <laughs> long into adulthood. We're not friends on Facebook, so I can say this. But he was a prick. But he, I remember when we were friends, um, his brother listened to all heavy metal music, and he had tons of heavy metal posters and and uh, black lights and all this. I remember like going down to the bathroom late at night, and I like peered through his... Uh, room and there's just like these horrifying heavy metal like you know shout at the devil and kiss the animal mm. and Iron Maiden and so it's true when you're a kid heavy metal is scary or it was at least you know in the throes <laughs> of satanic panic and such uh, that we both would have been in to some degree uh, it was it was it was scary music and that's the the fun thing about Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner is that is it's actually a poem by Samuel Coleridge from 1798. Oh, no shit. As I'm looking it up right here, right this second on Wikipedia. Is and that common of them to do? I know very little about Iron Maiden. less common okay. because it kind of, well, it fits with the themology of most of their other stuff. It's not, you know, World War or... Right. They they tend to draw mostly on those being fully British, right? Yeah, that makes sense. So, is there uh, what about this album did you like so much as compared to the last one we listened to? Which one was that? The one I actually liked, Killers. Killers. <laughs> what did you like better about this one as opposed to mm-hmm. Killers? The uh, top to bottom, it's just a better finished better polished package mm-hmm. they had more money they had a better singer they so everything is you know you take the stuff that was in killers that's good the mm-hmm. like the dual guitar harmonies and the scary imagery and all that fun stuff and it's at least tenfold better you get Bruce Dickinson and his enormous vocal range yeah i'm not even sure what it really is it's a lot <laughs> it's almost well I'll, I'll talk about it when it's my turn but uh i think it's hard for someone like me who's new to it to take it seriously it almost sounds like a cartoon it, or he's joking around it 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 draws heavily on theatrical mm-hmm. it certainly comes off that way it's kind of that like that level of theater kind of spawned some of the more theatrical, like the fantasy metal right. and stuff like that that's going on now. And they took that and kind of like ran that baton on steroids up the hill. And now right. it's, you know, Tolkien novels as albums. Right. <laughs> you know, someone introduced me. I'm going to have to look it up to a. I told him to send me my friend Pat who uh, is a metalhead and he really likes Halloween 2 and stuff. And and I asked him to send me some recommendations, like some good metal Halloween stuff. And he sent me a, m- a bunch. And there was one band I really liked. And it reminded me 
of Iron Maiden. Um, and while I check what that is, one question I have for you is, do you have any, what kind of fans do they have? What's their fan base like, if, if you can pinpoint it? They're fortunate enough to have one of those, the multi-generational, albeit predominantly male. It is? As, well, most heavy metal fan bases right. are predominantly it's, male. Yeah, it's got so. a little bit more female over the years. I've, I've seen mm-hmm. it like festivals yeah, I've been to and stuff. Yeah, it's coming back around again. I, I imagine the uh, ratio was a little more even in the uh, pop metal right. glam rock era. I didn't know that happened. Um, the band well, I looked up that reminded me of them was Merciful Fate. Have you heard uh, of them? Yes, yes, I have. Metallica does a marvelous um, medley of a bunch of their songs on the Garage Incorporated disc. Oh, really? Uh, Man, they're like flat out, I mean, mm-hmm. faux Satanism. Well, um King Diamond. King Diamond, yeah. Which is... Uh, Upside down cross microphones. Well, it's uh, King Diamond is the singer for Merciful Fate. Right, yeah, yep. And so those two bands are hand in hand. And... <laughs> so, wait, there's a band called King Diamond. And there that is, is King Diamond. And King yep. Diamond is... I knew he was from the Merciful Fate because I looked it up. And they are Dutch... He is. I believe Merciful Fate is Dutch. I'm not sure if all of King Diamond is Dutch. Okay. For some reason, um, I th- his uh, all over the place vocals like Bruce Dickinson's sounded less cartoony to me. Uh, and I think, <laughs> and I think he actually scares me more <laughs> as a vocalist yeah. because he does that. Yeah. Full falsetto, right? Yeah, he does for s- prolonged periods of time, and it's yeah. it's creepy. It is, <laughs> and and content wise, like it's it's even darker than Iron mm-hmm. Maiden. Like Iron Maiden is fantasy, whereas yeah. what I have, the little I've heard of it, the album was called Melissa that I yep. listened to. Oh, mm-hmm. geez, it was just fantastic. Mm-hmm. I, I was I'm completely fam- blown away by it. I'm familiar with that one. Um, that's got. It's got some good stuff on it's, it. It's got a lot of very long songs, but it I, does. I enjoyed it. I didn't, I didn't pick that for a reason. <laughs> I believe my Iron Maiden clocked yeah. in at under an hour. So Their songs don't... I mean, I'm so new to it, but like their songs aren't that long, I've noticed. I Not mean, all lot, of them. They usually... They'll drop one long one in there, okay. and then... You know, you get a 10-minute, and then the rest are four to six odd, or the early stuff is two to five, because... Okay. You know, if it ain't three minutes, it ain't on the radio. Right. Have you seen them in concert? I have not. That's. I may have asked you this last. That time. was the aforementioned one of the aforementioned shows that I wish I hadn't missed. Right. I wish I'd been able to drive to Detroit for that because they got right. my uh, beloved guys in Dream Theater to open for oh, them, wow, which is quite a show. If I remember right, I compared. You know, as a band that already had its own legacy and its own fans getting asked to open, not right. co-headline yeah. with Iron Maiden, yeah. getting asked to open for Iron Maiden as a metalhead is like getting asked to prom by the popular girl. <laughs> Once you find speech and breath, you just say yes. You just say yes, right. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I feel like most of the questions I want to ask are like, like, 
Iron Maiden trivia because <laughs> they like uh, Merciful Fate does not loom large in my psyche because they weren't they aren't po- they, I mean they are popular but they had no they're mainstream too, poli- popularity. They're too scary to be on t-shirts. On t-shirts, so. yeah, on t- and uh whereas Iron Maiden I feel like if you grew up, you know, if you're roughly around our age, you've definitely heard of them. Mm-hmm. Uh so I've always found them fascinating. I think probably one reason I didn't get as into it was because it was almost too scary. Well, uh, it was probably it probably in your younger years felt like something you do whippets in the parking yeah, lot right. too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you don't. But it's like <laughs> you crush beer cans on your head. And, but... and it seems like like it's there's I mean nerd culture uh, being is cool now, which is a huge shock because it was the opposite when I was young. But I I'm learning more and more as I get more. I find I get more into heavy metal as I get older. And one thing I'm learning is that it's like a nerd culture of dudes that like to headbang. It is. You know, and I think that's kind of interesting. It makes them seem a lot less threatening. <laughs> we're uh, we're generally some of the nicest mm-hmm. people you'll ever meet because we take all the, if there's an aggression to be worked out, we work it out with each other running around right. in a circle and banging into each other when that's socially acceptable to do so you guys are almost as nice as juggalos i've never met a juggalo that wasn't the sweetest person neither have i they're always so nice and yet somehow they were briefly classified as a gang (laughs) i know and i don't and i don't like i'm 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 amazed by their by their business model and uh their mythos. Uh, I do not like their music. And no. I, on paper, I should. It's Halloweenish. I like rap. I like Detroit, and it's for outcasts. But it's just you, with them, you really are either in or in the way. Yeah, it's it's too much of a good thing in right. its own in its own weird way. Right. But they're nice. They're lovely people. Oh, yeah, they're always so nice. The juggalos. Mm-hmm. I mean. Um. But it, but. Uh, Back to back to Iron Maiden. Um, the um, what what are your favorite songs on this album and why? This one's a hard one for favorites because it's I it's a front to back listen. It's, there's not a bad one on there really. Oh, okay, um, is it kind of a concept album? Eh, it is and it isn't. I feel like I feel like it's more of a packaged concept than say had it all been you know egyptian themed like the cover art and everything was you know Mm -hmm. based around egyptian mythology for the album and then i would say it's a concept album but you have songs like two minutes to midnight which is about the doomsday clock right yep and then there's it's a great song title rhyme of the ancient mariner which we've covered as a seafaring poem about why right. you don't kill the albatross <laughs> <laughs> and then god that's funny <laughs> uh you know one thing i decided we should do is in the description of these is put one or since we can't play them without paying money put like one or two songs that we think people should listen to in hopes of interesting them that's to a that's a good idea the whole album. i mean if I had if I had to give you three off of that album that are you know must listens to get into it, I'd go with Flash of the Blade, mm-hmm. yeah, which, um, Two Minutes to Midnight, 
an ace is high because you get that. Yeah, that was a good tune. You get that Bruce Dickinson primal super whale that mm-hmm. he does at the end of it. And they're all songs I brought in as for guitar lessons right. at one point in my life. So right. Is, do you think heavy metal is that your favorite music of all time? I I'd have to say it is. I yeah. mean, granted, I've grown to love so many other things. Yeah, and that's the foundation. It's the it's the formative years. It's the stuff I found, you know, twelve, thirteen, when I started exploring, right? Kind of more or less on my own, right? What might I like? And why do you think it was this music as opposed to something else? Probably because I didn't hear or see anyone else like in my middle school or in my high school listening to it. Mm-hmm. I know they were there because I found those people after I found the music. Right. Because metalheads find each other. They do. And then we... People sit. who like good music find each other. It's true. They metalheads do. especially. Yes. <laughs> There's like some sort of weird signal that goes off when right. you become a metalhead and then they all just like out of the woodwork and right. it's fascinating i was listening to this great interview with matthew mcconaughey today on wtf and he's got a new book out and uh, mark Marin was saying i feel like you're the kind of guy in high school where you'd walk past us and my friends and i would be like fucking mcconaughey and he was like actually he goes i was very popular but i got along i was i got along really well with like the nerds and the stoners and all this in part because I was in a lot of acting classes with them. And um, he talks about how much he loved metal. And as a result, one of his best friends in school was a goth lesbian. You know, he said like, so there'd be Matthew McConaughey was a total prep at the time (laughs) walking around the school a lot with the, with with the goth, you know, just because they both liked heavy metal. I thought that was a nice story. It doesn't, that's. I think that's another thing that kind of drew me to it. It's a style of music that the fan base doesn't discriminate. You don't think so? Like, I don't feel nearly like, you know, you get the, you say you like punk music yeah. and then you can't because the, you don't have enough safety pins. Oh, right. Or, yeah. Granted, yeah, there's discrimination. You'll get one. knocked a little bit in the heavy metal community for not having a battle vest but it's not a big deal sewing is hard and as long as you got a you've got a few concert right. t-shirts and can you know you can talk about the right bands mm-hmm. you're fine it was always the hardcore punk kids i never got along with i got along with all the <laughs> other punks and a lot of them were like late 90s ones where they had the checkered hair mm-hmm. it was very pop punk but yeah i Whereas the hardcore kids are always like fucking pricks, and I still don't like them that well. But um, but yeah, no, the heavy the heavy metal kids in our school, the heavy metal kids were all the stoners, and and they were just cool because they didn't have the energy to be anything but. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, yeah, they'd be, they'd be the ones with the the jackets and the and the you know the the leather jackets and occasional patches smoking. <laughs> hey man, you like metal? Be yeah. a lot cooler if you did. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was pretty much that simple. So since we're in the Halloween episode, and this can relate to Iron Maiden or not, uh, but what name a uh, from from the Alex memory toolbox a good Halloween memory? 
There are so many. Mm-hmm. Oh, I remember when Kelvin College used to do their uh, trick-or-treat in the dorms. There yeah. was a year that I was a roller skating M&M. Really? I mean, How old were you? Nine or ten. Nine or ten, okay. I, I'd have to drag the picture out to know for sure, but that Halloween, it was the worst costume choice I possibly could have had because it was like eight degrees yeah. and it snowed five inches. Oh, no. And I tried it anyway, and it worked to varying yeah. degrees, but it did ruin my rollerblades. <laughs> I remember when I went to Cornerstone, they had that where you could... Uh, and we dress up our dorm, and I and I uh, did I no I lived on off camp on campus apartments, so we did nothing. But I remember uh, Quincer dorm, ah uh, yes, that the really bad smelling one with group showers. Uh, <laughs> they uh, they they built a whole. The guy who ran it was a good dude, and he turned the whole thing into a temple of doom. <laughs> um, he had Kali Ma, someone dressed as Kali Ma. He was I, he was a lot cooler they, than a lot of. They the students put on there. a show when I was. When I was there, the one year that I lived in Van Osdel, mm-hmm. the uh, rival, the rivals brother dorm, yeah. I guess, <laughs> you know, yeah. five hundred yards up the path or whatever right. it was, we did our we separated the themes by floor. Oh, really? And, yeah, and my floor did. I think Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. So I had, oh, that could be really cool, yeah. I mean, at first I'm like, that's not scary, but I'm like, no, Mr. So Thomas we, is freaky. We had like my, Mitch. we had my parent, I had my parents buy a lamp post from like Sam's Club. That's so cool. And it's still in the front yard in the house I grew up in. That is really cool. It actually. was. It turned out really wow. nice. I think if I was a kid, I would love that. That's almost more fun. No, there's nothing like going outside. From house to house, but if I was a kid, that would I would remember that Halloween. I think the Quincer kids did a pirate ship that year and had like live frogs in a pond or something. It was, that's pretty cool. I mean, that that's is the thing. why that dorm smelled that way, though. And and then godly things that happened in the showers. But uh, the uh, that is one thing about Halloween I love, and I know a lot of I talked to a lot of my uh, Christian friends or formerly Christian friends who weren't allowed to celebrate Halloween. And that's unfortunate um, because Halloween brings out the creativity in everybody. Like, you know, you don't think of Quincer being, or really any dorm uh, at an evangelical college being that creative, but that's a really good idea. (laughs) All those ideas are great. Mm -hmm. Um, Tying it back to Iron Maiden, though, I kind of quit dressing up for Halloween when I was, you know... 11 or 12 and started okay. handing out the candy but then as an adult i've been trying because why can't i dress up and yeah, hand out the candy my street's too busy now we'll yeah. probably never get more than a handful of trick-or-treaters yeah. <laughs> but i've been searching high and low for an edward the great iron maiden face mask oh, and geez. i there's gotta be some there's going. a couple but they're all from like the somewhere in time era where it's not the classic like killers esque right Eddie mask and that's what I want because I have the hair for it and yeah. I feel like terrifying small children with Yeah it. and I feel like I feel like if it's the only thing because twenty twenty has been so weird, I feel like dressing up as an adult is perfectly acceptable this year. You should do whatever you can to cope with this bullshit. Just 
I'll just sit there and I'll dress up anyway. Yeah. And we'll eat Halloween candy and watch movies. <laughs> that all sounds good. So uh, the last question is the one I think I always ask you is if you're in an elevator with somebody and you had uh, a tiny, tiny window of time to convince them to listen to this album, what did you say? It's a lot like I think it was the King's X album where just hand it to them and walk away. Oh. <laughs> you know. Tell no one I sent I, I gave you this, and then pull your cloak up, and then walk out. Yeah. And throw a little McConaughey in there. <laughs> hey man, you heard this one? No, It'd be a lot cooler if you did. And just walk away. Yeah. Of course, they would listen to it in that extent. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, what do you got for me, man? All right, let's let's talk about what you thought let's hear your thoughts what are your first lessons i agree this is a better album i like the way that the the prior one we did is mastered better and i tend to be very picky about how things are mastered i tend to like it very thick like the person mastered it through a bass cab and uh so in that sense i really liked how the older one the overall sound I liked better. I agree this is a better album. The songs are are definitely very realized where the other one's a little clunky. Uh, I thought they were hilarious, like the, the How to Kill an Albatross. Uh, and what was that? What was the name of the song? The Doomsday Clock one? Two Minutes to Midnight. I mean, that's just such a funny title. Um, it, it's, it was, uh, I mean, the guitar solos were unbelievable. It's highly topical at the time, I believe, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure where, I'm not sure where the clock is currently set these yeah, days. Yeah, no might shit. be five past. It right. might be too late. <laughs> yeah, it feels like it. So, you know, I mean, I, I do. So the, what was the name of the guy prior Bruce Dickinson on the Killers album who sang Paul Diano. I did like his voice a lot. Bruce Dickinson is just at first like I said it, it was hard for me to take seriously. It's just so all over the place. I think I'll have to give it another listen now that we've had this conversation <laughs> um and and I and learn more about him. But uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. I mean, I rocked out to it uh today and uh all it's week and It's a dangerous hole to go to learn deeper about Bruce Dickinson. I read his book his uh, autobiography a couple years ago while we were on v- vacation in Curacao and mm-hmm. he's again he's like uh queen guitarist Brian May Dr. Brian May to you you know <laughs> astrophysicist developer of the first stereo image of Pluto yeah all the all the things we talked about and Bruce Dickinson is commercial aircraft pilot Wow. Former, I believe, former airline owner, world class fencer. That sounds, that's, that makes and sense. The fencing thing is less surprising than the, than the, now you pilot. can add throat cancer survivor oh, really? in the last couple of years. Wow. Unlike, or at unlike least, uh, Eddie. Well, he's cancer free at the moment and didn't lose his vocal range. So, wow. Is he still a smoker? I don't think he ever. Oh, really? Just a, not, just some bum luck. Yeah, I I don't recall if he's a smoker. Also, we can add called his mother on stage in Brazil in front of two hundred and fifty thousand people. <laughs> it's on YouTube. Maybe if I find it, I'll post the video. Yeah, do that. I was thinking <laughs> we need to do more stuff like that, like little tidbits to get people engaged on social media. Mm. Oh, we should do better in general. I don't think either of us posted <laughs> no. this week. No. We did poorly. We did uh, poorly. 
But uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's it didn't really. I mean, as a kid, I can see me being very scared by it. It more just I just thought it was fun. It was good, good escapism for me. I, like I said, I love Halloween, and and uh, it it doesn't like listening to it at night. It doesn't creep me out, but it sets the Halloween mood mm-hmm. that I wish was there all year. And uh, you know, driving through a leaf leaf covered roads, listening to Iron Maiden and Bruce Dickinson shriek and guitar things. That was a, it was a good time. I mean, I didn't really have any realizations about it. Uh, do you think this album, what's, that question hasn't aged well. It seems like it's impossible to ask that with a band mm. that has this large of a career. Yeah. Going on, you know, almost 40 years at this point, I think. Yeah. And I would say that it aged well for me. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't because their new stuff feels so much like that as right. yet. Just again, kind of that nth degree more. Right. It's you know it doesn't feel out of place when you stack it up against their new newest record, which I believe is almost ten years old already. Right. I'd have to look it up again. I'm not sure how old Book of Souls is, but I I was surprised when I hauled um, the album before that out, The Final Frontier, out again. And that's already been remastered because it's 10 years old already. It's 10 years old, right. How did you feel? Did you feel it aged well? Uh, based on your answer. Not not totally. I'm I'm learning more about what that question means, and I... I think that Alice Cooper gave me some insight into that, but like, I think that it, there's so many other factors that play into that question, which I still think is a good question and is worth exploring on this podcast. I would say, if there's, I guess another thing is, if is there anything that they could have done in hindsight that would have made it age well? Uh, mastering, I think. What year was this album released? I can look it up real quick because. I think mastering has I'm say was, 89. Right, that makes perfect sense. I think it, it's a boring thing that I tend to notice more as I get older and be more interested in. I love how things in the 60s and 70s were mastered. 80s, I felt like they were so caught up in adding the details of the newfound technology that they didn't uh, give as much ear to mastering. 1984. Oh, okay. Well, remastered in 2015. 2015. They did yeah. the entire catalog in 2015. But even that's a preference. But I don't know. I just had a little of that 80s tinniness that, that drives me crazy uh, and has ruined some songs that I liked. That tinniness is due in part from the fact that every guitar player in that band uses a Stratocaster. Oh. So if anyone tells you you can't metal on a Strat, that's what you're it is. wrong. And it, and it sounds, but and I think that's also a preference of what kind of metal I like. I think mm-hmm. I like the really thick, like stoner doom metal uh, best. I won't do it to you, but then we could have pulled out uh, some of the classics like uh, Dope Smoker by Sleep. Oh, is that really? <laughs> I think it's one song and it's 52 minutes <laughs> long. And I think that has three riffs it. in it. You'll listen to it when you get home. Is it is it tinny? No. It's real thick. It's and... mountainous. Okay. Okay, I will definitely like to hear this. What kind of band are they? It's exactly as you described. Stoner They're a stoner doom, doom band. It's uh, those of you driving around with Matt Pike for presidents. Oh, bumper stickers. I see you. He is their. Uh, I don't want to say lead singer, but he's definitely their guitarist. Yeah, and the architect uh, of their sound. Yes. 
primary member. Oh, are they an older band? They're yep, they're an older band. Some of that, a lot of their output would qualify for this podcast. They did a new album in 2015. Okay. I want to say, yeah. And that was the first one in 15 years. I think. Oh wow! Yeah, I've never, so, I've never heard them though. I think I've seen that bumper sticker around before. I've seen it. <laughs> so, uh, so Iron Maiden. We both, you, it, the magic was there. I enjoyed it. It was spooky. It was scary, as it should be, on this uh, All Hallows Eve Halloween season. Let, Day let, of the Dead, whatever you want to call it. Let's. Uh, Let's use that as a valid transition to the uh, <laughs> true godfather of shock rock, Detroit's own Mr. Alice Cooper. And I just learned that he's from Detroit this week. And also, did you hear he's doing a reading of kid stories for Halloween, like age-appropriate scary stories and raising money for some... This is the best news that I've heard today. Yeah, yep. And uh, and I think it's a... I don't think it's public, but I think it's going to be uh, it's live streamed. There's going to be like a few kids there, uh, and and the money's all going to cancer research. You know, uh, it's pretty cool. But they talk about how he's from Detroit. It's going to happen in Detroit. It's not often that it's talked of his uh, Detroit birth. Yeah, we talk, we talk more of the uh, the scenes in Wayne's World where you find <laughs> out he's remarkably intelligent and, and, and articulate and yeah. articulate at that. Uh, yes, Dave, he is. <laughs> <laughs> We're not worthy. <laughs> yeah, just, just holds his hand out to kiss the ring. Yeah. Now spends his time in Arizona doing nut, syndicated night radio. Really? Really. Well, playing music? Yeah, he's a... And just saying things? Yeah, he's a... He has a... Uh, he's a syndicated nighttime national radio show. I gotta listen to it's, this. It's weird. <laughs> it's like Halloween Dr. Demento. Oh, it's, it's fun. <laughs> you've won me over on both accounts. And But what did you think of Schools Out... Well, the the question is, did it hold up? Did it? Did it live up to the magic? There you go. Deliver to the magic of you. Well, Alex, there's a story behind that. Is that uh, when I was, I would have been probably nine or ten. I was watching uh, the Muppet Show, and <laughs> and by this time, my parents their satanic panic stage, which wasn't that long, maybe a year had ended they didn't care what we listened to anymore i think they preferred we were listening to good old secular music and i was watching the muppet show and alice cooper was a guest and i was completely floored by it i thought it was the coolest thing and he like decapitated a muppet on it it was so cool i remember my mom watching it and she goes i can't believe they'd let him on a kid show but she, i think she i think uh, she saw i was very moved by this man I thought it was the greatest thing I'd ever seen. I hope I can find it on YouTube or something. But did you go out and buy the eye makeup? Oh, I didn't know. I didn't. And the story is not as interesting as it could have been. But um, the I bought it at. A, do you remember? Did Michigan have Tape World? That was the place in Maine I bought I music. I don't think so. We had like Ver, speaking of names that things that don't age well. The name Tape World does not. <laughs> it's. Pr- I imagine that it was probably similar to like this. Like Sam Goody. Yeah. We but it was only those. cassettes until CDs came mm-hmm. out. 
And they had this bin where it had albums for like four ninety nine. And it had a lot of greatest hits. Like I bought Elton John's greatest hits, and I bought Alice Cooper's Schools Out, simply because I had just heard it on Muppets. And um, to be honest, it didn't blow me away that much uh, at the time. And at the time, I listened to mostly cock rock like Motley Crue and pop music like Debbie Gibson. Um, Such an interesting like. Yeah, backside of the opposite ends of the spectrum. But they were both on the radio at the time. That was the stuff that was playing. You just had to go from one end of the dial to the other. And if anything didn't fit that, and I think I was hoping based on the Muppets that it would be more more heavy metal-ish or more just like pop-friendly and fun, um, but with a spooky edge to it. Um, Now, but to answer your question, this, I think, as of a week ago or two weeks ago when I started listening to it again, uh, is one of my favorite all-time albums. It's at least in the top 20. I was completely and utterly blown away by this album. And I think it's in part because he's he's maybe became a heavy metal player later. And when he put out Hey Stupid and Poison, I loved those albums because they were just heavy metal, you know, with, with shock rock. This album is like a very intricate, beautifully composed, uh, musically diverse and sophisticated album, which is the stuff that I tend to be drawn to a bit more as I get older, mm-hmm. like Tom Waits and, um, you know, uh, David Byrne and just people who spend as much time on the lyrics as they do the composition of it. And I was completely, I give this album an A plus written on two thumbs up <laughs> and two, two big toes up. And that's how much I love this album. Roger Ebert is so proud of our rating system <laughs> right now. Two thumbs up and... Yeah, yeah, he's he's given us the thumbs up from wherever he is. Um, I was I so the I think uh, the magic the album always loomed large in my childhood because of the Muppets, um, but and I think that speaks to the question of how things age, is that it all depends on one thing, and I think that is how long consistently you've listened to your favorite genre of music or what, if you look at the kind of music you've listened to for the longest amount of time over the course of your life, that is going to determine how well you think something ages. And because a lot of the music I like has a lot of, it's, it's gritty and raw, like the, you know, the punk and stuff and metal I used to listen to, but it's, I do tend to like things lately that you could tell they put a day's work into the composition along with the lyrics. And, uh, I mean, I'm getting goosebumps just talking about this album. Uh, this, the song that really won me over the most, I think, is one of the greatest songs I've ever heard. Uh, the whole album, I, I, I loved it. I mean, I, this, it's been a while since I've been excited to listen to an album um, this much. Uh, every day I'd get in the car excited to hear this album. What was that song? Um, it was. I really liked Alma Mater. Um the cat one was kind of, uh, you know, the the like the one about the cats fighting. It was mm. silly, but you know, I didn't hate it. Um, there's some, there's some kind of filler, weird. Yeah. But even that, I kind of like because a lot of the bands that I like who do these compositions, like Tom Waits, mm. have filler. Like, well, it's filler, but it's not obvious bad right. filler. Oh, not at all. It's still you know, Gutter Cat versus the Jets, mm-hmm. followed by Street Fight. Blue Turk, I think, is. One of the greatest songs I've heard in my entire life. I was so fucking uh, blown away by 
every millisecond of that song. The chorus that da 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 da, da you know. It just was everything I like in a song. Uh, so, yes, the magic uh, was rediscovered, I think, is a be- better way to put it. That's, I, I feel like that production and that mastering is more in the wheelhouse of what you alluded to earlier yeah. as the kind you like. Right. Because it's not, it's big, right? but it's not dense it's not dense no it's very thick and do you know anything about like does he write the compositions or i I mean i don't know much about the guy other than i thought he was cool when i was growing up and i thought he was scary in a fun way no he meant to be scary i mean that's why he's walking around with a live snake yeah (laughs) (laughs) getting his head cut off every night yeah but uh I don't know much about their writing process because that band has changed. Oh, I'm sure it's different. Every time. So it's much. Guns. It is now. He must. I mean, someone who can sing that well must have some idea of how to construct mm. the details and intricacies of a of a well made song. I so. was. I'm sure he has a lot of fingers in the arrangements and yeah, things like that. But yeah. I know from like watching the hired gun documentary yeah. which is about touring mm-hmm. you know touring musicians that well Nita Strauss who is his one of his three guitar players right now yeah. is the longest tenured member of his band and oh, she's wow. only been in the band for five years oh. <laughs> because she plays circles around everyone right every night yeah. and I remember he got interviewed for that, and I think it was he saw her while she was playing in the Iron Maidens. Right. The all-female you, Iron Maiden You told tribute. me this once when we were getting a beer or yeah. something like that. And he went, who's she? Write that name down. Yeah. And that's how he picks his band. See, that makes me wait, like him even more. He go, that he makes knows, me think it's in like, his head. Yeah. He knows right now what he needs mm-hmm. and who's going to be a good fit. And yeah. he goes, he just keeps a list. And if somebody has to drop out for right. whatever reason, he's got, he's got a phone call list. And he just sends his management out yeah. and in pops the new person for rehearsals. Right. right. Yeah, and you know, I I uh, I just I would see him in con- before. I think I would have seen him almost as a joke. Now I would see him with my jaw wide open after hearing this album. I've and- always wanted to see him. I'm a little disappointed that I haven't pulled the trigger the mm-hmm. couple of times he's played like DeVos yeah. Place here in town. Right, but ticket prices are steep these days. You know, the, I, the coop has a healthy guarantee on that oh, show, shit. and you know it's just he's in it. I, I looked up some stuff, and I think I kind of lost some interest. Because I shouldn't be so judgmental against again. Well, in the age of Trump, it's it's hard not to to think a lot of conservatives are idiots. Uh, in part because of Ted Nugent, you know, another Detroit person, you know. But I looked up from him, and he has he has a. a He's a conservative dude, but I gather he's a very smart one who just doesn't want to pay too high a taxes because he's he's earned his money. And uh, I heard him uh, say some 
I won't turn this political because that's, my heart can't take it right now. <laughs> but he's definitely not a Trumper or anything like that. I think he, I read some article where he said he was he voted for him and has since become critical of him. Um, but all that aside, I looked up about him. He's a very charitable, good person uh, who who seems to uh, uh, really like to uh, give people a show people a good time. I feel like he must be an all right guy. So I'm trying to say, like, yeah. you know. No. Stupid. There seems to be a soul uh, under there. <laughs> Stupid things Ted Nugent says aside, he yeah. ma- he occasionally makes a good point. Oh, yeah. He sure. makes it bombastically in, in right. a way that makes him sound like a damaged idiot. Yeah, but... yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I find him harder to relate to, whereas... No, that's because he's rude and abrasive. <laughs> yeah, and exactly. Alice Cooper is, you know... I feel like Alice Cooper lets you, would right. let you be wrong and then correct you right. and say actually a lot like that Wayne's world yeah, scene I, know. I feel like that's exactly how it would be if you were wrong about something it would be actually you know and just I mean I don't even want to bring this up but like I remember my, a friend of mine went to see Ted Nugent and even he was offended by it because Ted said um, my my guitar playing so good it would make a faggot like pussy. I mean, Alice Cooper's not going to say that stuff. Which so is an interesting. I don't care what he believes in his personal political life. He seems like a good guy, and this album has made me a super fan. Which is an interesting dichotomy of Ted Nugent because I once read a Guitar World interview where he said he's not even the best guitar player from Detroit. Right. And he's offended by people that call him the best guitar player oh, really? from Detroit because the guys he learned from were way better and he'll never be that good. So I don't know what day you have to catch. <laughs> I think he must have to, He must have to be off stage for... I think that's what it is. ...the rare pearl of wisdom to fall out of that. Yeah. I don't know what's going on up there, Head. <sighs> it's... Like, but we're not here to talk about no, Ted. Maybe, but, maybe we'll bring Ted out later. I know, but, but I think it's a fair contrast. Yeah. In when it is, is when you're talking Detroit, Detroit, and when you're talking about like things about their ideologies that you might not agree with, but when you learn that at the end of the day they're a good person, it for me it makes me more excited to dig into their catalog. Whereas I'm not going to spend three seconds on the Nuges. Uh so it's it's a fair comparison. Uh, the the thing about um, well, I'll I'll let you ask the ask the questions, then I'll turn it around on you. If you get, if, what do you got? Oh. I really like this album, so I'm going to ramble. <laughs> we we bounced left and right a lot on that one, yeah. and I think we can move on to the elevator. Uh, how would you sell this in the elevator? I would say that this is a beautifully composed and performed album that has a really solid message about not fitting in but looking back upon that time in your life of not fitting in in this case high school and giving it an interesting and positive spin uh, which I think is exactly what this album is but at the same time if you just want to feel the Halloween spirit uh, in a qualitative and quantitative way this album is the way to go i could have done that that wasn't really an elevator speech but i i love this album so much we'll, we'll pretend it was a long elevator <laughs> that was waxing poetic uh because of how much i loved this album i'm going to buy this on vinyl and frame it on my wall that's how much i like it, it might even be in the top 10 what'd you think about it 
As a person who loves the grander Alice Cooper, right. I had forgotten how yeah. stripped down right. original Alice is right. and how it was basically a blues rock band well, when they started. Yeah, with some uh, avant-garde jazz. Yeah, it was... Uh, it was Led Zeppelin with a sprinkling of Frank Zappa, and it's kind of, it was a difficult but enjoyable listen, because I yeah. kept waiting for it to become bigger, mm-hmm. probably because I feel like in my head, that title track, Schools Out, mm-hmm. has built such a giant legend all on its own because it's been everywhere since that album came out yeah and it's been covered by so i think megadeth covered it oh really i know seven dust covered it um it's been covered by at least a handful of other metal bands that Gave it that like, yeah, 80s, like that extra metal treatment, right, a little yeah, bit, yeah. And it's like, mm, it, it kind of it flags a little bit in the teeth category, right? For me. Right? Did you find it, uh, did you find it scary? Not or Halloween or. It's definitely Halloween-y because it's Alice Cooper, and I don't Mm -hmm. think he's, even before he became, you know, Alice Cooper shock rock provocateur, I I believe the Halloween spirit loomed large within him, and it was kind of just waiting because particularly there's, you know, like the VH1 series Behind the Music, there was a story where he got... I think it was banned from playing in Cincinnati because someone threw a chicken on stage. He threw it back and the audience ripped it up and threw it back on stage. And so he got interviewed about it that like during the during the episode and he goes, "I'm from Detroit. I don't know anything about farm animals. I went, it's a bird. It's got wings. It'll fly." I threw it. It came back to me in pieces. <laughs> I didn't know that was going to uh, happen. I can just picture him saying that based entirely on the Wayne's World, how he would have said it's such like, a thing. I, just, I didn't know that it couldn't fly. Yeah. My dad was telling me, because I mentioned how good this album was, and he recalls liking it when he had heard it in the 70s, but he says he's a really good golfer. Uh, that's well, kind of he a, gave like, up drinking and took up golf. Took up so. golf. Probably, probably a good idea. <laughs> probably a healthier alternative. Greens fees are cheaper than I don't know what his <laughs> consumption rate was at. I think he, yeah, I think he was pretty messed up. But uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, I think we both picked albums we truly we truly connected with <laughs> at this point. It's... I I believe we did. I mean. The Halloween spirit is so much fun, and it gives you oh, so much latitude for choice in music. It does. Particularly when you both dip into the rock bin and find right. stuff like Alice Cooper, Iron Maiden. I even listened to some Marilyn Manson, and I didn't love it. I it's, it's It was almost too... 
it wasn't in, it was intricate but in a way that was like this album schools out had subtleties and i bring this up because i've heard uh, people compare like when everybody was freaking out about Marilyn manson they'd say well that's how our parents were about Alice Cooper, and now he's like a humanitarian golfer, you know. And uh, but like the th- that album has a subtlety, a dynamics. Like it's quiet in the parts that should be quiet, loud in the parts that should be loud. And I found the Marilyn Manson was all loud, you know. Uh, I think I feel like Marilyn Manson took the shock template for from Alice Cooper yeah. and dialed up the shock and yeah. dialed down the musicality, right. He had Whereas great musicians in his band, too. He no. did. I believe, if I remember right, the original Alice Cooper band is on the new, his latest album that he did. Oh, really? Jeez. Which I'll have to find. I'll have to listen to that, and, man. I mean. <laughs> because I'm actually, like, the Alice Cooper that I tend to enjoy quite a bit more is mid-80s Alice yeah. Cooper when he was doing things like Poison yeah. and ballads like Burning Our Bed. Yeah, and... oh, that's a good one. Yeah, it was, uh, and I'm... I'm re- Feed My Frankenstein. That, that was the Wayne's World one. <laughs> Feed My Frankenstein. So, uh, well, happy Halloween, everybody. Day of the Dead, All Hallows' Eve, whatever it is that you celebrate. Be safe, wash your hands, eat lots of candy. <laughs> Please check us out on social media. We are only on Facebook currently. We are sad about how poorly we've done at having a social media presence. That will improve. You can help us to improve by putting albums that you remember from your childhood and listening to them and then putting your reactions about them years later. And uh, so please do so. And uh, Alex, what are we doing next week? Next week we are doing, well, I'm doing Living Colors Vivid. What are you doing, Justin? I am doing uh, the Crow soundtrack. Interesting. Did you go for Halloween Part 3? Sort of, but <laughs> we'll get to the reasons why when we do it. All right, we are signing off. Thank you so much for uh, listening to us today, and I promise one day we'll have not only a social media, but a bias a drink uh, thing. So, all right. Thank Good you night, so- everybody. Good night, everybody. <laughs>